0: Now, it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, we read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. Now, if you study Matthew's Gospel, you see the Gospel is really broken down into sections. For example, chapters 5, 6, and 7 are Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, It's his blueprint to Christianity, what the Christian life is all about. Chapter 10 is the Great Commission. Jesus sends the apostles out to evangelize. Chapter 13 and 14, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. And he does so in parables. And that's where we begin in the gospel for this weekend. We begin from the very beginning of chapter 13. So you'll find Jesus teaching in parables about the kingdom of heaven. Now, the first four parables are about the development and the growth of the kingdom of God. Notice how today's gospel begins. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him. He got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood along the shore. He spoke to them at length in parables. Well, what can we take from this? Well, first, Jesus is leaving a private place. He's leaving somebody's home and he's going outside to do what? To preach to all the nations. What's the implication here? We are all meant to hear what Jesus has to say. Therefore, we must sit up. We must take notice. We must be very mindful that Jesus is teaching here and teaching something important. Notice also the detail. He sits down in the boat and he begins to teach well, that's the great posture of a teacher, a master in the ancient world. In our day and age, teachers always stand up. The pupils, the students sit in chairs or at desks, not in the ancient world. The teacher always sat down. The students sat on the ground at the feet of their master, absorbing all that the master was teaching them. Well That's exactly what's going on here. So therefore, from the very beginning of this parable in this gospel, we are made to bring our attention to Jesus, he is going to teach us something very important. He teaches us, in this case, the parable of the sower and the seed. Now, one way to help us understand this parable is to think of Jesus as the seed, the seed that this sower sows in many different places in this world. Why not? The sower is God the Father. He sends his only son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Therefore, he sows his son into the world. And so, one way to understand this parable is to think of the seed as Jesus Christ, and the soil as the receptivity of those people in this world, either receiving Jesus wholeheartedly like the good soil, or outright rejecting Jesus. Now, why do you say that? Well, turn to John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was God... And the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus Christ always refers to himself as the word of God. Therefore, this is the seed that is being spread. It's the seed of Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus is spread far and wide in many different ways. Look at our day and age. Our parishes right now have engaged evangelization and stewardship, in which we come to know our our faith in a greater way through greater knowledge, and then greater opportunities to live it out. But other parishes have done different things to come to know or embrace Jesus Christ. Maybe they've adopted missionaries. Maybe they've done social justice work. There are many different ways in which Jesus is spread far and wide for those believers who truly want to embrace Christ in their life. Now, notice also in this parable at the very beginning, The sower is indiscriminately just casting this seed around, almost carelessly spreading the seed. He doesn't care what ground or type of ground it falls upon. That's very funny. The first parish that I had when I became a pastor was a very rural parish. More than half of the parishioners are farmers. Well, as I was reading this gospel passage, I looked up from time to time and saw about half of the people in church shaking their heads back and forth. Now, many of the farmers came up to me after Mass, and it was very funny. They said, you know, Father, we love the Gospel and we love the stories of the Gospel, but this story just irritates us to no end. Well, it's true. For good farmers, this story would irritate them. Good farmers know that seed, today and even in the ancient world, is always expensive, whether it's corn or soybeans or wheat. A good farmer always makes sure they plant that seed in good soil so that that seed has the best ability and potential to grow and blossom and produce. Again, what's the implication here? Jesus Christ is sown throughout the world, so people can either receive him or reject him. Now notice the first seed, it falls upon a path and the birds eat it up. Well, that means, or that describes the fact that Most people, you've got to believe, in the Western world have heard this parable at least once, if not many times. And yet, so many people do not understand it. Why? Because Jesus Christ has not taken root in those people, because they don't understand their faith. I'll give you a great example. Say you have a friend. You invite this friend to Lambeau Field, you're a great Packer fan. You want to bring this person to a Packer game. So you go to the game. Now you are an avid Packer fan. You love the Packers. You love football. You know all the rules about football. You know all the strategies. You know the entire Packer team. You know each individual player, their strengths and their weaknesses. So when the game starts, you're drawn immediately into that excitement. More to it, you know. You know how the game is being played. More to it, What's at stake if the Packers win the game or even if they lose it? And so for three hours during the game, you are on the edge of your seat. You're just enjoying every moment of that game. Now you turn to your friend and your friend is miserable. They're not enjoying the game at all. Why? Because they don't understand football. They don't know any of the rules. They don't know the Packer team. They don't know the individual players. They don't know what's going on. So they're absolutely miserable. They can't take it in. Well, apply that to the spiritual life. Now, if we don't know our faith, then there's no way that we're able to then receive Christ into our life, let alone understand him. Great example of this is the Israelite people. They were supposed to be God's chosen people, a holy nation to draw all other nations around the world back to God. And yet, they didn't understand God, nor God's ways. That's why God, in the Old Testament, he sends prophet after prophet after prophet. He makes covenant after covenant after covenant with the Israelites, and yet they just don't get it. They don't understand God or his ways. That's why when Jesus Christ comes into this world, they're not able to receive Christ. They're not able to believe that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. Therefore, they reject him and hang him on a cross. Well, the same thing holds true with us. There's no way that we'll be able to receive Christ in our life if we don't know our faith or who he is. Now, about a year ago, there was a Pew Research report that came out, the findings came out, and it was deeply disturbing for us as Catholics. One of the things that it found out that Catholics are second only to the Jewish people in our ineffectiveness to pass on the faith to our children or future generations. Now that's frightening. The Catholics are second only to Jews in our inability, our ineptness to be able to pass on the faith to our children or our grandchildren. Another disturbing thing that the research found out was that there's a large majority of Catholics just here in the United States that admit they don't know the faith. Well, what's the implication? Well, if we don't know the faith, we don't know how to practice it. If we don't know how to practice it, we don't know how to pass it down to our children. Therefore, it becomes extinct. I've always said the Catholic faith is in a generation away from extinction. Well, we're seeing that lived out now. In order for Jesus to truly thrive within us and within our life, we have to know the faith. We have to know who he is. If we don't know our faith, we're not able to practice it Well, we're not able to pass it on. And like this seed, it'll be taken away from us. Now, the next seed, it says it falls on rocky ground. Well, these are people that are fascinated by the spiritual life. They're drawn into their faith because of some event. Some either powerful or traumatic event has occurred, and now they're excited about their faith. Well, that's great. But they lack discipline. They lack a sense of knowledge of tradition or the faith. And eventually that sense of excitement, it fades away, it dims and so does their faith. What we have to understand is when we take something very seriously, it's always surrounded with discipline. You see that in all aspects of life, whether it's hobbies, sports, work, relationships, even our own health. Give you a great example of this. You go to your doctor and he says, well, you know, you could stand to lose about 20 pounds. I want you to exercise regularly, And eat a balanced diet. Now, if you take that advice seriously, you surround it with discipline. You say to yourself, okay, I'm going to eat three good meals every day. And then after dinner, every night, I'm going to walk. And you do just that. You surround that advice with discipline. What happens? You lose weight. Your health improves. But if you say, well, you know, that's well and good. But I don't have time for that. It's inconvenient for me. Well, you're going to remain overweight and your diet is still going to be poor. But when we take something seriously, we're always compelled by discipline to practice it, whether it's our job, exercising, or faith. A lot of times you may hear people say, well, I go to Mass when I feel like it. I practice my faith when I want to. Well, if we take something very seriously, like our faith, like a relationship with Christ, we surround that with discipline, such that what? our faith won't wither like the seed. Next, it says some seed fell on thorny ground and the thorns grew up and choked the seed. Well, there are some people who literally take in Jesus with a great deal of joy, but they're not able to hold on to him. Why? Because of their focus. They're focused on other things. They're greater priorities than Jesus in their life. Jesus must be the central organizing principle in our life. He is to whom our life is ordered to. Now, does that mean we have to disengage the world, go join a monastery? No. In fact, just the opposite, I would argue. Engage the world, study math and science, you know, engage art and architecture and music, all those things, but keep Jesus as the center of your life. Notice what Jesus says. Worldly anxiety and riches choke the seed off. How much time do we spend worrying? Worrying about many things, our job, our reputation, honor, money. You know, when those things dominate our life, when when we are constantly preoccupied with them, well, then the worldly concerns will choke off our relationship with Christ. Good question we have to ask ourselves. Within any given week, How much time do we really think about Christ and our relationship with Him? Do we think about it maybe a few hours a day or maybe a few minutes a day? If we are thinking about it all the time, then Christ is at the center of our life. Lastly, the seed falls on good ground, it takes root and grows. What is that good ground? Well, it's our heart, our mind, and our soul, it's our will and our intellect that's the good soil. It's cultivated through faith, through the knowledge of our faith and the practice of it. But it's also surrounded by discipline and it's marked with a keen sense of priority. Jesus truly is at the center of our life. Now there are many other things in our life, friendships, work, neighborhood, hobbies, all those things are good. They all fall in harmony around Jesus Christ. The key is to have and develop that proper soil to always receive Christ. It is by the knowledge of our faith and practicing it. See, that cultivates our heart, mind, our soul, the will and the intellect, the proper soil, always surrounded by discipline. Now we, too, can be like that seed. We can bear fruit. Now the life that we share with Jesus blossoms and grows, and we bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.